When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, Mets fans. Welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. Me, as always, is Chris, and we're here for our late year tradition. Every year, we run through some of our favorite music of 2021. Um, Chris, before we get into the actual picks, would you say this was a, a good year for you musically? Like, did you find lots of good new stuff? A bad year, sort of indifferent year? How did you feel about the, the year this year? Uh, yeah, I'd say it was a good one, all things considered. Um, it's a mix of, uh, you know, my albums that I'm going to talk about on, on this episode are all artists that I have at least mentioned once before, whether they were an album recommendation this year or, or not uh, at the end of our usual episodes. But um, getting back to being able to see, at least for a period of time, live music and feeling comfortable about it, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was really nice. And, uh, that there was a mix of tried and true artists that I knew I liked that came out with stuff that, that I still like a lot. Um, and then exposure to some, you know, some new and different stuff to me. Uh, I'm just not going to end up talking about those albums cause the other ones outranked them for me, but sure. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was it, it was a nice mix. Um, yeah, and and I think in some cases, just getting a different perspective on artists with whom I was familiar, but maybe not as much. Uh, so, so yeah, it was good. And shockingly, uh, King Gizzard put out two records this year, and and I'm I'm not going to talk about either one on this episode. So that that's, is, that's that not is something I would shocking. predict. No, that's <laughs> really shocking. Uh, see, for uh, me, th- this is this is a weird year because I listened to a ton of music that was new to me. In fact, I think this year maybe was certainly more than last year. I listened to to stuff that I had never heard before, but so much of it for me was not from twenty twenty one. Like I just I was exposed to a bunch of new older music and different genres and all that. So I feel like. I don't have a great sense for what this year was musically. I mean, there were still, you know, 10 or so albums that came out this year that I really, really enjoyed, but I feel like it just wasn't, it didn't hit a lot of bit for me. Um, uh, it didn't hit, it didn't hit as much 
blah, how can I say this? <laughs> not as much new music landed with me this year, but not for not because I thought it was bad. I just didn't hear as much of it. Um if that makes sense. But anyway, there's still always good stuff here. So um Chris, why don't you give us your first pick? Sure. So uh surprisingly looking back at the things that we recommended on our normal episodes where we talk about baseball, which basically <laughs> doesn't exist right now. Right. <laughs> uh, I had not recommended Parquet Court's new record, Sympathy for Life, yet. Um, we'll see. We'll figure out the rules if I can still throw that out there as an album wreck again <laughs> in the future. But, uh, but yeah, it was... <clears throat> uh, I think it's the record where they tried the most on some tracks to sort of expand and sound a little bit different. Um, you know, there, there's a few things mixed in there that either have like sort of almost funky jam bandish stuff or more electronic instruments uh, mixed in there. You know, there's one song where um, Andrew Savage plays a melodica for basically the entire song. Um, you know, just, just mixing it up a little bit, uh, and, and taking some songs in a different direction. Uh, those parts of the album I, I do appreciate. Uh, I don't dislike them, but <clears throat> the record's about half songs like that and then half uh, songs that just sound like parquet chords. And those songs are phenomenal. Um, you know, starting with Walking at a Downtown Pace, which starts the record. Uh, you know, they, they made a music video of, uh, you know, illustrating the the way that that song is embracing uh life in new york city uh, the lyrics to it are a reflection on you know clearly they were written during uh the the worst of the pandemic um and the reflection on on that and you know wanting to get back to the things that we all love about new york city and you know whether they were the good or bad things about it um and and the song just, you know, as as uh, everybody younger as than us in Slack would say, slaps. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know, it's got a drive to it. Uh, it's got a passion for the city. Uh, they made a music video for it that was just sort of a almost like a video collage, uh, for lack of a better term, of life happening in New York City as things had gotten significantly better. Uh, earlier this year and uh and look i mean there, there's still a lot more going on now even with some postponements and cancellations you know there's a lot more going on uh where the city feels something like what you're used to as opposed to the long stretch last year where it didn't at all right. um so yeah that that song starts it off and then um that you, you know they get into it sort of alternates, you know, between what I would say is the traditional sound and, and uh, like the different sound. And certainly all of the more traditional songs um, just really work uh, for me. So uh, they carry the record, but I do recommend listening to, you know, the whole thing start to finish. Um, and then if you, you know, as you go and listen to it more times, uh, you know, do do what you want to do. 
either make a playlist of the songs you really love or <laughs> or or you know remix uh the the order of the whole thing if you'd like uh it, it's it, yeah the world is your oyster listener yeah yeah um so in that sense like it doesn't some records i feel like i would never say that about like no it all it all flows you know it, that one song connects to the next and i'm not saying that they like chose a bad order or anything but it's just there's two different sounds right right on on the record um you know so so give it a shot and there might be some people out there who like the five songs that i would rank six through ten uh those might be their five favorite songs so yeah i don't don't want anybody to rule out anything but right it's a good record we got to go to the record release show in brooklyn uh they they announced it like a week ahead of time uh played music hall williamsburg which for them is small at this point uh had a really good time hearing him do that so uh yeah glad glad you have had that music and uh hopefully it won't be too long you know they're playing again in the spring and i think by then uh i don't think i'd have any reservations about going to a show if if things go optimistically the great if um but yeah all right so uh my first pick is uh is a really weird one in that I'm sad I'm picking it. Uh, this is going to need more context, and so I will give more context. One of my favorite albums of all time is by a band called The Wrens, and the album's called The Meadowlands, came out in 2003. It's a sprawling sort of album about making an album, kind of, and it took seven years for the band to make that album. Something like that, six years, seven years. And they've been promising a follow-up ever since, and so much so that uh, a couple of years ago, way pre-pandemic, the lead singer put on Facebook, hey, I live in Brooklyn. Who wants to come listen to the new album? And so I had signed up. And I went to the lead singer's house, Charles Bissell's house, and sat in his basement and drank a beer and, with, a, with a couple other fans and listened to the new Renz album. And it's like it wasn't fully complete yet, but it was maybe like 80% complete. And ever since, he's been promising it's coming out, it's coming out, it's coming out. Well, earlier this year, turns out um, that the other songwriter, the other songwriter in the band, uh, he decided he was quitting, or he was gonna. He wasn't quitting. He was just um, he was going to release his songs from the uncompleted Renz album as uh, his own album because he felt that the process was just taking way too long and that there were some broken promises and all that. So he formed. So Kevin Whelan is the guy's name, and he formed a band called Aeon Station. And the album is called Observatory. And the cover art is a half-built skyscraper, which seems like a pretty apt metaphor for a half-finished album. Um, But so this album came out 18 years after The Meadowlands, and it features the songs he wrote for the follow-up to that album, along with some other new ones. And the other two members of the band, of the Renz, rather, joined him on this album. So this is basically a Renz album minus the main singer-songwriter, and his stuff. So this is like half of the album you we were supposed to get, plus some new songs. And it's really good. I think the album's excellent, actually. But I heard some of these songs initially as part of a conversation between these two songwriters, which has always been one of the benefits of the Renz, is that their their songs often echo each other and reference each other. 
And so I really wish that this was going to be part of that these songs were part of the Renz album that now is not happening. Charles Bissell is going to uh, release uh, a solo record with his songs and a few others. And I hope that uh, people do what Chris was just talking about and make a playlist mixing the Aeon Station songs and the Bissell solo songs together into sort of what the album was supposed to be. It won't quite sound, you know, as cohesive, but it'll still be really interesting and really good. But anyway, um, like I said, I'm sad that they didn't finish that Renz record. I never got to see the Renz live, which, being as they're from New Jersey and named all a lot of their albums about New Jersey, um, well, I will kick myself for forever. I have seen Bissell do a solo set, but I hope that they can bury the hatchet at some point and maybe put out a new album or at least do a tour because I really want to see this band live. But uh, yeah, so for for my first pick... It is Observatory by Aeon Station. Uh, Chris, what is your second pick? Uh, so going in no particular order, except that I'll save the final one for the record that I hold in the highest regard uh, from the air. Um, Steve Gunn, The Unseen In Between. I think I did recommend that earlier this year. Um, uh, you know, he's just a guy who <clears throat> whose name I had known uh, I'd seen him play guitar, you know, supporting other musicians, um, but had never seen him play his own music. And getting to do that sort of, or, or knowing that I was going to get to do that, <clears throat> got me to listen to his stuff a little bit more. And uh, and this record that he put out this year, it's it's a pretty long record on, on vinyl. It's a double LP um and it's just a nice mix of you know sort of uh like there's definitely a, a folk element to it in terms of the um sort of the tempo and 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 the songwriting and all that but there's enough stuff going on too that that there's a, a psychedelic sort of uh component to the album as well and i think it's just a really nice blend it's just very enjoyable music to listen to um relaxing but engaging if that makes sense um you know is not a record that's going to put me to sleep but definitely one that i think can uh you know improve the mood uh so yeah he's he's been around for a bit you know he's he's both, I think, somehow younger and older than I would think he is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, based based on everything. Um, but oh, wait, hold on. I said the, the the wrong record name. The record name other is other you. you, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, other you is the record that came out this year. The unseen in between is the record that I think I recommended on an episode um, earlier. So sorry about messing that up at the top, but. But yeah, other you, um, it's yeah, it's it's just good stuff. I don't know if this is like the you know mid to late thirties kicking in or or what. You know, I think it, I, I don't necessarily think it is. I think I could have enjoyed it if this came out when I was twenty three. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. but but yeah, the, uh, the the title song is the first track. Um, I like that one a lot, but really it is good throughout and, uh, 
you know, to be able to make that kind of like a little more chilled out vibe with music and have it be catchy is, is not something that I think everybody can do. Um, so yeah, a lot of credit to him for that. I, I definitely, uh, look forward to listening to this one some more. Yeah. I, Steve Dunn puts out good stuff. I, uh, I haven't checked out this, this new album yet, but I'm excited to do so. Um, all right. Next up for me is an album I did recommend on the show. I, I went back and I looked it up. Uh, I did recommend it. So sorry, listeners, you're hearing a repeat here, but I'll keep it brief because of that. This is the most recent record by Colleen Green. It's called Cool. She is a uh, singer-songwriter who had not put out an original record in something like five years. And uh, this album is, I would say, if you liked her her previous stuff, this isn't all that different. It, it's sort of a nice refinement of it. I think it's maybe a little bit more, um, I don't know if I'd call it optimistic, but I'd call it maybe a little bit more, um, maybe there's a tad less cynicism to it. Not that it's like sunshine and rainbows, but it just seems like it's it's maybe a little bit more comfortable in her own skin. I, it's really, really good. Uh, it was produced by uh, Gordon Raphael, who produced a Strokes record, and I know Chris is not the world's biggest Strokes fan, uh, nor am I, but I, I really like what uh, Raphael brought to the sound of this um, of this record, and I think that Colleen Green just does one thing that I wish more people of sort of her ilk do, which is that she writes really catchy pop songs that are, you know, fantastic and are really interest and are really, um, you know, introspective and have like very clear melodies. But she also finds ways to make each of them just a little bit weird. Like the bass lines are not always what you'd expect, or there's some sort of snaky guitar parts throughout it. I think she just makes the music a little bit more interesting with some of her arrangement choices. And I wish that more singer songwriters did that and didn't just, you know, although it's, it's always wonderful to present like a nice straightforward song. My mind always goes to songs that have a little bit of a, of a weirdness to them. Not enough to necessarily detract you from what you're trying to get across, like in writing a power pop song, but just not to make it interesting. So I think that Colleen Green does that better than most. And so the album is called Cool. And that is my second pick. And uh, Chris, what is your number three? So uh, we'll, get, we'll go with Amel and the Snippers. Comfort to me. Um, if you've listened to the show, you've heard me talk about Amel being just probably the best front person there is out there performing other than Iggy Pop himself. Uh, you know, when, when he's still playing shows. Uh certainly inspired by him and just somebody who can own the stage uh you know our, our first exposure to her music and her band's music was when they opened for king gizzard at brooklyn steel in 2019 i think it was i think that was the last pre-covid summer um and she just she just fucking rules <laughs> <laughs> and and this record's got um it, it, it didn't catch me quite as much at first as the previous record did, but, um, but, but once it got it, you know, once it, once I got hooked on it, um, it, it's definitely right up there. Uh, you know, just, there's nothing too crazy going on in terms of, you know, it's, it's just like classic 
punk with i think i described it previously as having sort of a like an acdc influence that you know there's a little bit of that um guitar heavy rock that punk sometimes like shies away from or tries to act too cool for you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like they 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 have like mullets and it's just there's no shame in playing um the style they play uh, and it and it's just it, it works um so yeah it doesn't slap you in the face like the previous album did uh like when you first listen to it there, there's a little bit of a learning curve i'll say but um just continued good music from somebody who's become one of my favorites and uh you know they were slated we we were not planning to attend um because it sold out so goddamn fast (laughs) but they were slated to play in brooklyn in uh in december uh they are slated to play there again in i think april maybe march um sometime in the first half of next year um but their show in early December was postponed or canceled actually because they themselves tested positive for COVID. Um, but you know, the, the last time we saw them play live was at market hotel, uh, which for those who have been is just a a tiny venue, uh, on the second floor of a building in Bushwick. Uh, you know, I think it's the J train that goes by there that, that rumbles by literally right outside the windows. Um, you know, trying to trying to recapture that. Um, that may not happen, but, it, you know, I think I've said this to you, Brian. Uh, they, they sort of jumped multiple levels of venue size yes, during the yeah. pandemic without even playing shows, which is, you know, which is, uh, it, it, that's pretty hard to do and good for them. You know, it, if everything goes ahead as planned, it's Brooklyn Steel that they're going to play in the in the spring. Um and to go from like a little venue that holds, I think, 300 people to one that holds 15 or 1700, um, you know, that that's awesome to see, especially when somebody's such a good performer and deserves it. And on top of putting out this record this year, uh, I know Iggy Pop, like himself, shouted them out when talking about music that he was into and recommending. Um, which is just, I, I can't imagine higher praise <laughs> for, you know, for them. So that was very cool to see. But uh, we should but also yeah. mention a former former guest on the podcast, Brian Baker, shouted them out as well on Instagram, which I know you were very That's right. You were very uh, into because you know, again, you were one of your favorite bands, and having a punk rock legend who you've interviewed talk about them was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Thank you for that reminder. <laughs> my pleasure. All right. Uh, my next album is, uh, I don't even know how I first discovered this artist, or at least one of these artists, but I, I, I want to say it was during um, the, the sort of the early days of the Bandcamp Fridays, where there were, Bandcamp was doing a really good job of highlighting different albums coming out. I think I read about this artist. 2020 album and really enjoyed it and so i checked this out um and this is a collaboration the artist i had heard of is called his name sip s-i-p it's the um pseudonym of someone named jimmy lacy who is a uh 
a synthesizer player, a keyboard player. Um, but this is an album with another keyboardist named uh, Pete Prezano. So the album is called Sip Prezano. And it's um, it's very much droney, kind of um, very, very moody and very uh, chilled out. There's a lot of uh, melodica on this, which is interesting because you, you shouted out uh, Parquet Courts using melodica before. And this, this album features uh, a fair amount of melodica as well. And it's just, it's, I, I sometimes get into a mood where I'm trying to do work or whatever, and I just put on some sort of droney, synthy music, and it, it just puts me in the right headspace to do some work. So this is definitely in that type of a category. Um, I don't have too much to say about it, if only because it is instrumental and it is pretty mellow. There's not a ton I can add to this, but I will say that um, I think it is an album that is going to get a lot of play in my house over the course of the next couple of years even if i don't necessarily think about it it's just it's just really pleasant really beautiful music but i don't know if i'm going to be like um i think i'm going to put it on like i said doing the dishes cleaning up around the house doing some paperwork those are the types of situations i think this kind of music thrives in but i'm going to really try to give it a, at least a couple more like full attention doing nothing else just listening to it nice and loud because I think it's it's really beautiful and deserves that, even if it's sort of a, an unusual type of record for that experience. Um, yeah, so Sip Prezano is the name of that one. Chris, what's nice. next for you? Um, well, we'll go with Dinosaur Jr. Uh, felt like a Dinosaur Jr. year. Um, not, <laughs> not in... Uh, I'm not saying Dinosaur Jr. It, it parallels with pandemic life specifically. Uh, more so that Lou Barlow had, had put out a, you know, a solo record and Dinosaur Jr. put out this record, Sweep It Into Space, around the same time as each other. Um, <clears throat> I feel like they were only a few weeks apart. But you know, the, this was one that I recommended back shortly after it came out. And... Uh, and and it, it's grown on me even more since then. I, I, you know, I stood, I'd stand by that recommendation as given in, in the first place, but, um, it's just, they, they know what they're doing and the, the mix of like mostly Jay Maskus songs with two Lou songs on a dinosaur junior record is a very nice blend. Um, and it, it's cool to get to hear, you know, both of their writing and songs play out through, through that same band. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's a record that was produced by Kurt Vile. Um, and you know, it's funny. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm sort of indifferent on Kurt Vile. I think, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's played music that I've enjoyed, you know, I'm not a diehard fan or anything, but he's always around. Um, <laughs> I've, jo I've joked you, you like, you can't, you can't have a music festival if Kurt Vile's not there. Um, he's been at Solid Sound. He's been at Desert Days. He was at uh, Woodsist, which we attended in, uh, back in September in upstate New York. Um, so he's he's the, the ever-present Kurt Vile. Uh, so I think you can hear a little bit of his influence on, on some of the songs, being that he was part of the process of making it. But uh, it, it's certainly not overwhelming. And... 
you know, there, there's a there's a nice bunch of, uh, of of catchy stuff on here, um, and and loose on garden uh, is definitely a standout. That's like a top five Lou and Dino song, I think. Yeah, I mean his his two songs on "Give a Glimpse of What You're Not" are two of my favorite of, of his songs anywhere and Dinosaur Junior songs. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, Garden is is among those, as you said. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's just a, it's another solid record. Uh, and it's very cool to me when bands from bands who made it before I was conscious of them, you know, and, and influence so much uh, bands that are in the book, our band could be your life that I read about uh, when I read that book, uh, that they're still making good music, um, you know, not just well, one, not, not making bad albums. Uh, that's that's a that's a good start but uh, you know making stuff that's legitimately good to me that i enjoy listening to um mission of burma accomplished that when they got back together uh, and they've it's been quite a while since that since they've done anything now but they had like 10 years that they reformed and uh and made some damn good albums um you know dinosaur jr didn't have that officially long hiatus but they did have a long break where it wasn't always the three of them. Um, right. You know, Murph and Lou Barlow were both out of the band at different points as, as far as I recall. And, and, and they kind of went to the, all right, original lineup, make some new music in like the mid two thousands and have continued doing so ever since. Um, so to, to be able to do that and come back to it and, and, not just have it be like a novelty thing and actually write, you know, interesting new music. Uh, it's pretty great, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's all, it's also crazy that they have now put out five records since they reunited, which is getting them close to like, I think they released six or seven before they broke up. Um, and by they, I basically just mean Lou Barlow because uh, Murph was only on, I think, two more records than uh, than uh, Lou was on. And then the rest were just like kind of hired hands, you know. Right. And, and uh, But yeah, uh, they've certainly been around longer in the second incarnation than they were in the first incarnation. Their recorded career was 12 years before their hiatus. And uh, we're we're now looking at, I believe it's fifteen or fourteen or fifteen years at this point. So, yeah, in the reunited version. Um, yeah, I was hoping that you were gonna pick that album so that I could pick this next album. That's sort of a uh, a, a a counterweight to that, and that is uh, Lou Barlow's "Reason to Live." So, nice. this is the uh, the aforementioned Lou Barlow solo album that uh chris mentioned it was he was doing this really cool thing through his record label joyful noise called the artist enabler series where for five bucks a month you could be a subscriber to this like um just constant stream of music and so every month you would get something from lou sometimes it was like archival stuff from going back to when he was in high school 
some demos and things that he released. Um, and every every now and then you get new songs, and all of these songs were part of that series in different versions. Some of them just demos, some of them fully fleshed out. But so this album is, I think it's seventeen songs, something like that. That is uh, that represents. A, yeah, it's 17 songs. A bunch of the songs that he released on the Artist Enabler series over the course of 2020 and early 2021. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's a really interesting bit in the press release about this that I read a couple weeks ago. I was I was prepping for this and just going through listening to some older stuff, I mean, some stuff earlier in the year, rather. And Lou Barlow said, and this is a quote, people have this vision of me as this heartbroken, depressed guy, but this record feels so true to who I am, to this rich life I now have full of people I love. I think that's really nice that he feels like this is a a maybe better picture of who he is, a little sunnier uh, outlook on life. Not that this is necessarily like, you know, the happiest album you've ever heard or anything like that, but it's... um. I just think Lou is such an underrated songwriter. I think that even among people who are uh, fans of Dinosaur Jr. or who remember his band Sebado or the Full Complosion, I think a lot of times people don't talk about him in the same breath they do, for instance, his dinosaur bandmate Jay Mascus or somebody um, like uh, Frank Black or Kim Deal from the Pixies or... Um, I don't want to sort of really uh, go overboard and say Kurt Cobain, but like he's certainly a contemporary of Kurt Cobain's, right? And I feel like people like that just get this respect of being these classic songwriters. And I think that Lou deserves to be in that conversation, both because of how consistent his songwriting has been over the last 25 years or so, but also because I feel like of all the people that I just mentioned, I think he has by far released probably the most music or at least the most different um, iterations of his own music. He's, he's been pretty interestingly, uh, you know, he, he has multiple bands and most multiple projects and he's always trying new things and putting out new, I think he takes the most chances of anybody of his generation that's still out there making music at this level. And that's really cool. And uh, yeah, I think that Lou is somebody who, I I would personally probably start uh, with the um, the brace the wave. I don't know if that's a is that technically an album. It's nine tracks. I guess it's a, it's an album. I would start with the brace the wave album. That's my personal favorite of his more recent solo stuff. But I would uh, I would say anywhere you start with him is probably a good place to go. And definitely check out Reason to Live. I think it's a really positive, fun, great sounding record with just some killer songs on it. So. All right, Chris, we're up to your number one. I did I did not do your Save the Best for Last, so your album's going to be your number one, and mine are not ranked it anyway. So uh, sorry for that <laughs> anticlimactic, anticlimactic ending here, but what is what is your top album? Yeah, no, no, hey, uh, that was a last-minute decision here, but M. Du Mokhtar, Afrique Big Team, uh, I just don't even know what to say. It, it, it's This dude is and his band are making music on a, a just their entirety entirely own level um listen to it loud uh it, it it's just you know uh of all the top guitarists in my world uh he's the one who put out a record this year <laughs> um 
Yeah, I'm basically trying to not disrespect Nels Klein here. Um, but for for albums that came out this year, I don't think you're finding better guitar uh, anywhere. It's just unbelievable the way he can play. And uh, I, I know I've said this before, but his his music often live and it's still like it's just you can't match that but this record came pretty damn close um to really getting into the the places that they can get to when there's a crowd in front of them so it's the the title song of the record is still to me the very best on it but there's a lot of really great stuff um uh, start to finish the fact that they slow down and there's some acoustic guitar music on there is cool um you know obviously any any great guitarist can do amazing things on either acoustic or electric guitar um so it's cool to get to hear some of that just because so much and i mean this completely as a compliment but so much of what i had heard or you know whether it was on record or or at his shows was just a barrage of electric guitar with incredible rhythm uh components behind it so the fact that they do both of those things on this record uh you know it was one that i was looking forward to before it came out and uh and i only love it more now than i did uh, you know on, on the the week it came out which is probably the I, I probably talked about it as soon as it was a thing you know <laughs> um so yeah that that for me is is my album of the year um and it's one that i mean barack obama had a song from it on his uh thing you know you and i joked that you might have thought that i worked for him yeah (laughs) based on uh multiple artists that i've recommended were were included in his top songs of the year um but yeah it's just it if you're comfortable, if shows are happening, all, all those, you know, disclaimers, um, as we continue to navigate through the reality that we all live in now, um, see him for sure. Uh, I actually think that he has some dates that he's touring with Parquet Courts. Um, New York is not one of them, but if you're a Mets fan who's elsewhere and you can see those two bands in the same night, I challenge you to find a better combination of bands to see yeah that's that's probably uh the most mcshane approved double bill of all time (laughs) (laughs) yeah it might it might be um so uh, i don't know if my album is my top album of the year but i will say that this album to me feels the most 2021 of any album on my list. Uh, it's by the band Low. It's called Hey What. Low has various different sort of phases in their career, and, and this current phase is a very, very different one for them. Uh, the last album they made was called Double Negative, and it was widely regarded as sort of a. Uh, like a, a a big step forward for them, and I was actually not the like biggest fan of that album. I thought it was fine, but not not up to sort of my low standards. But hey, what takes everything that 
um, double negative did and just sort of blows it out of the water in terms of just taking it to the furthest extreme. There are only drums on, I think it's one track on this album. It is mostly super, super processed guitar and harmony vocals. And the songs are about, it, to call them apocalyptic is probably a little bit lazy, but they seem like they're songs about, you know, a really fucked up time and we're living in a really fucked up time. And uh, I don't know how much of this was recorded in 2020 versus 2021. I would imagine most or all of it. You know, this album came out, oh, excuse me, um, in September. But, you know, I, I would imagine that a lot of this was written or at least, um, you know, conceived of in 2020. And it feels just a, it feels like a pandemic record. It feels like an album made in isolation, um, isolation from like their normal sound, isolation from anyone but the husband-wife duo of Alan Sparhawk and and Mimi Parker, Mimi Parker, Mimi. I don't know. Um, my mother-in-law and grandmother pronounced it Mimi, but I know many Mimis, so let's call Mimi. Mimi sounds right. Mimi Parker. So it's just the two of them. Um, it sounds very personal, but also very. Um, cold in a way and it's very hard to describe like i said it's not the most enjoyable record in terms of if you want to like have a good time and drink a beer listen to it but i think it's really really um really powerful really interesting and in a weird way both terribly sad and uplifting um it's just it's 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 sort of remarkable that a band 13 records in can do something this um, bold and different and uh, pull it off this well. You know, um, sometimes I feel bad that I listen to a lot of bands I listened to when I was in high school and college and not finding new music as readily as I was then. But then when you hear all of the innovation that's happening with some of these bands, low in this in particular, you know, I don't feel so bad because they're still making some of the most interesting music of their career you know, 20 plus years on. Um, anyway, that is our, that is our top five records for this year. There, there are lots of other good albums that came out this year. I'm sure we could do some honorable mentions, but you know, go out and find some new music. If you haven't yet this year, I would strongly recommend it. Um, anything else to add, Chris? No, no. Low is a band that I still don't know very well. So, uh, I'll have to check that one out. I saw it, you know, you, you you get near the end of the year and you, you sort of look around at the different lists of things out there. And if you're listening to this, I assume that's something you do. Um, right, yeah. So I've seen it out there on some of them. And, and they're a band. I feel like Wilco uh, are fans of Low. Yeah, uh, Jeff Tweedy uh, produced one of their albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, a band that I don't know all that well, but I'm glad you ended with them because that'll give me a reason to listen to that record and, and see if, uh, you know. If I feel like it's something that I've missed out on and can start to learn, so it's a very, very weird album to start with for them. <laughs> like it's, it's you know, it, it's like starting if you were just getting into Wilco and you started with uh, Ode to Joy. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, we we we, we can talk low off the air. Yes. Um, <laughs> but thank you for listening, everybody. We truly appreciate it. Go to amazingavenue.com. It's been quiet lately, but. It's a lockout. What the fuck do you expect from us? Um, we'll hopefully get back to doing more real soon, and hopefully the lockout doesn't end 
too far in the future. Um, you can find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you find podcasts, you can find us. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. Happy New Year, and until then, let's go Mets.